Welcome to the Social Entrepreneur Podcast. Get engaged, get influenced, get connected. Okay, guys, so today we have somebody very, very special on the show. Her name is Rhiannon Lambert. Rhiannon is a nutritionist specializing in weight management, eating disorders, and sports nutrition. She is the founder of Retrition, a leading Harley Street private clinic, and author of Renourish, a simple way to eat well. Welcome, Rhiannon. Thank you very much for coming on the Social Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for having me, Joseph. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you. Very well. Rhiannon, what I'd like you to do for me, if it's okay, and we ask all our guests to do this, is give us a very quick 30-second elevator pitch on who you are. Okay. As you know, I am a nutritionist. So I have a clinic in Harley Street where I work with clients with lots of different elements from sports to eating disorders. I work very, very closely with lots of different people on a day-to-day basis in terms of reaching those goals. So it could be through my social media, it could be writing my book, doing different various TV appearances or brand work, and everybody can find me anywhere on social media. I'm a bit too accessible, Joseph. So So you're all over the world. All eyes on Rhiannon. We'll talk about where to find you very shortly. Um, Rhiannon, what I want to know, um, and I think it's very, very important for our listeners um, to understand, is where you came from, what your beginning was all about, and what started you out on the journey to become the very special lady that you are now. Um, I'll try and keep this as brief as possible for quite obviously a big story. I grew up in Wiltshire, so not London at all. I left home very young, age 16, and pursued a music career in London when I was 16, 17. So I actually won a competition online with Classic FM. Wow. I had no intuition, nothing. I just always could sing. It was just, it was like my thing, you know, the only thing I felt really confident in. Got whisked up to London, got a full-time job in retail, working the weekends, all that kind of stuff, every day, paying the rent. And the music industry wasn't really what you think. Uh, It's very, very heavily focused on aesthetics just as much as the talent that you have. That is the light bulb moment for me. So I definitely was not eating well, looking after myself. I would say I was under-eating, not knowingly doing so, uh, turning to diet products, meal replacement things that are, they're marketed to us every day, let's face it, on the TV, you'll see it on the radio, on social media, take this magic pill or drink and that's the answer to health. And obviously it wasn't, it wasn't doing that for me. It just wasn't working. I became very depressed. Went to my doctor, Joseph, looking for answers and unfortunately he just... Um, prescribed me with pills and antidepressant thinking at this point I was 17 years old so I was young to be taking this kind of stuff and that wasn't the solution I was malnourished looking back but at the time I believed what my doctor said so I took them and it was throughout this experience of going through highs in the record industry being dropped by one label signed by another that I just kind of had enough and I was looking at all my friends at college or uni, you know, having fun, going out, drinking, doing normal things. I'm not saying drinking is the only thing you do at that age, just saying that. But they were having such a good time and I was like, I'm missing out. I want to go and study. You know, I've got a mind. I want to use it. And the only other thing I love is food. So I enrolled in a nutrition degree, Joseph, and the rest is kind of history. That's what got me into studying nutrition and being an underdog. In a, on a course, I was actually a mature student at 21. That's what they classified me as back then. And 
looking back I don't she know. Was at 21 yeah that's why I was <laughs> wow <laughs> I was the grown-up on the course would you believe it um but yeah I graduated with a first and came out to do lots of other studying after amazing congratulations I mean can we explore um that a little bit more and I think the pressures of social media um and the world now uh, uh, it's really heavy on young people and you know I think that can affect them mentally and it quite um clearly put a lot of pressure on yourself so you developed an eating disorder off the back of it am I right in saying that or sort of or not quite or the thing at the time I don't think I was aware I had disordered mm -hmm. eating behaviors but actually looking back I'm pretty confident that's what happened and I can see a lot of the traits that I had now manifesting in so many people that I see in my clinic that walk through my doors I mean it affects men and women there's a big misconception as well that it's definitely just a female based thing but it's not the media portrays well the media plays a large role but eating disorders in general can be linked to lots of different things definitely there's so i mean how did you get to overcome that i mean how what 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 brought, brought you out of it because obviously antidepressants and pills aren't going to help they're just going to dull the mindset you know they're not going to fix the problem so you know what what pulled it out of you to change your circumstances I mean, what really made the biggest difference to me was education, actually having um, the knowledge behind the actions I made. So once I understood the behaviors I, were, I was making and that they weren't beneficial to me, I could actively make informed choices that would help me. So once you understand why we do what we do, it's such a kind of deep conversation to have. But honestly, if you think it's about really, it, when really you wake up- This is what people yeah. want to know. It's the reality and to hear it from yourself is awesome. Well, it's true because you make a decision to, let's say, make um, beans on toast for breakfast or porridge. Why do you do that? Is that because you've been told it's good or you did it in childhood? Or yeah. is that something that you've seen in a magazine? You've got to think the actions behind the decisions you make and then understanding what nutrition, nutrition fuels your mind mm. and your body. It's linked to mental health just as much as performance. And as a musician, I still do sing now, your body is your tool. You are. I'm feeling like you want to give us a little 30 seconder. I really don't. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe another time. Maybe another time. Carry yeah, on. Another time you'd be lucky. <laughs> awesome. So but, uh, while we're on the subject then, so do you think that nutrition um, can have an effect on success if you're not eating right, if your body's not in the right um, frame of mind or environment or whatever it is? Wholeheartedly, yes. I mean... The food you eat does make the difference between feeling merely okay and merely on top of the world, literally. If your mental health is impacted by it just as much as your concentration, just as much as mood. If you're in a positive mood and food is linked to mood, you are more likely to be more productive. You can sustain concentrated periods of time for longer. You're able to fuel your actions. So actually food is heavily interlinked with performance and how you feel every day massively so i mean this is really interesting for me because i think um the journey of an entrepreneur is a is a very stressful and hard one and when you're doing everything by yourself and you live by yourself you know these simple things in life can become secondary um you know food relationships looking after yourself sleep um working out you know all of that type of stuff and for the first few years in business for me I was awful. I was eating one meal a day. It was a microwave meal. I would fly home after a 12-hour shift, bang a two-minute meal in, eat it, back to the office. And I was running on empty big time. 
And you're not alone there. And did that affect your health at that time? Do you think it affected your mental clarity as well? Um, I, I think so. I, I don't know how I kept going through all of that type of stuff. But now I'm still working very, very hard. My diet is still pretty crap. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, okay. it, you need to come to my clinic, Jason. I most definitely will. I need to get some tips. This is why it's interesting. I need to keep my concentration levels up rather than just trying to fuel it with coffee. Um, yeah. So it's, under, it's cool to know that having um, the right diet has a direct link to energy and performance. You've linked the, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the caffeine thing as well. So the population, we're a population of caffeine addicts. We want convenience. We want on-the-go food. Fair enough. I completely understand. I get home late from work some evenings, 9, 10 o'clock. You know, running your own business is mm -hmm. hard. I don't want to be slaving over a stove for hours. That's why in my book, Renourish, I created so many simple, quick, easy recipes. And having the tools and understanding that that's possible, the microwave isn't bad for you. The freezer isn't bad for you. And that big misconception I love mm -hmm. to bust because I live off the microwave and the freezer. The oh, the, oh, nice. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scary, so the honestly. nutritionist uses the microwave. It's cool. It's okay, guys. But it's just about what you put in the microwave, you know. Don't be putting a mac and cheese in there and expecting it to be healthy, right? Put in there something yeah. like... Go it's on. all moderation. I actually have a mac and cheese recipe in my book, a healthier right. version of... I think you're going to be on for a winner there. <laughs> I mean, what I do when I go to buy... And I mean, we're talking specifically about microwave meals here. Um, but when I want to eat healthy, um, I'm literally walking into the supermarket. I'm like, right. I need to eat healthy, but I need to eat quick. And then my eyes go straight to the little um, boxes on the bottom. Right, is it green, 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 green? Oh, shit, it's got red or orange in there. That one's no good. That goes back on the shelf. Yeah, yeah, so you use the traffic light system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it might not be the most beneficial way of making your decisions. <laughs> you know what? At least you understand that green is a bit lower in salt or sugar, and that's what most people need to know. If they know mm. that, then that's going to help them make a better choice than something else right so it's so green is good green is good but a bit of red every now and again is fine <laughs> green is good with a little bit of red love it okay cool so let's go back to you um and let's go back to what happened after you came out of university where did you take your career um from there well when i was at uni there was a lot of grafting so in my second year already, I mean, I was working full-time. I was working night shifts to fund my uni education. So I was always knackered. I remember just doing the night shift at the library, feeling like a zombie, going to do my lectures, working in Jaeger and Caramelin at the weekends. And then I got another job. And this is where everything changed for me at the Royal Albert Hall. I was, I was a steward. Like I was a red coat that showed people to their seats. Oh, nice. That was like an extra evening job. And I was like, I cannot keep doing this anymore. <laughs> I was just, I had no hours in the day to even sleep. So I decided to get a internship at the time, which I took a hit. I bought less money, more experience. And I worked as a receptionist two days a week on the days I didn't have lectures at a clinic in Harley Street, mm. a very well-known clinic now, the Food Doctor Clinic, it was called at the time. And because I got the receptionist role there, by the time I graduated in year three, so I kept this role, I then worked up to getting £20 a day on this receptionist role. It was nothing. You know, it gives you the experience. I got offered a job in the actual nutrition clinic there when I became a nutritionist. So I moved from receptionist to straight away having clients and working. So it's all about networking. Mm -hmm. And having that job at the Albert Hall, 
I also made a lot of contacts in my music industry world. So I was kind of grafting the two main things I loved from such a young age. Mm -hmm. But I soon realized that I needed to do more studying. It's, it's one of those things, the career I'm in, having the, the knowledge behind me and the sac financial sacrifice for the gain I've now got was so worth it. I went and did a master's degree in obesity because at the time, obesity was on the rise. It still is, actually. It's a big subject in the UK. It's a big problem and very current. So I thought, right, I'll get this master's degree in that. And that led me to do another master practitioner in eating disorders. So I've got the three different things. And then another course in sports nutrition. So I kept studying and working and building my clinic whilst I was still studying. So I had the degree, but I was building my private nutrition work all the time. It was on Twitter first. There was no Instagram back then, Joseph. It was all Twitter. Um, Twitter. When did you start? What year? Oh, um, Twitter I was on in my second year of uni. And Instagram now about two years ago, I think now, coming up to two and a half years. Nice. I think so there's some takeaways there. I mean, number one um, was the sacrifice that you made. Uh, um, you know, to take a step back to go forward. So many people aren't prepared to do that. And that really is the difference um, between, you know, looking at it short term or looking at it long term. I mean, so that's clearly paid off for you. Yeah, I lived on the breadline my whole 20s. I, I, st I only recently started to take a Don't tell me you're out of your 20s. <laughs> not yet, nearly. I'm very oh, I'm going to say, no way. <laughs> But you know that early stage where everyone's off having fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, your early 20s, you sacrificed. 20s, and then second of all, for me, it was something very key that you said and was having that knowledge. And you're clearly very, very knowledgeable in what you do. But everybody needs to understand that knowledge is power. You know, knowledge really is power. You have to be an expert to be respected. If you want people to listen to you, if you want to be a boss, if you want to be a figure um you know you have to know what you're talking about right i could not agree more and i'm always scared of not knowing enough which is why i'm probably addicted to still studying to this day i'm, still, I'm doing another course right now as well i just think <laughs> self-education queen self-education queen i like that one um no one can bring you down if you stay on top mm -hmm. of it science changes i'm sure every industry changes constantly you've got to stay you've got to stay alert you've got to know what's got going to stay on, on top of your game <clears throat> so let me ask you a question if um, just, just one that's come to mind. So let's say, for example, somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer to. How do you act in that environment? Because I used to find this quite hard. Um, I'm 28 now, but when I first started in my game, um, you know, if I didn't know, I'd always try and blag it or blag the answer. I probably still do that now to an extent. But, you know, how do you mind putting your hands up? Um, it's a very different world than nutrition one. So in a normal environment, I'm like you, I can definitely blag something on this. It's a bit of a performer background in mm -hmm. me that will come out. However, when it comes to my nutrition, I'm a hundred percent put my hands up. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm so excited to go and look into it and I'll get back to you. Mm -hmm. Or I'm looking forward to researching that area. Or I know someone that's the expert of that particular branch of nutrition or expertise I'm perfect and ladies and gentlemen that is the answer that you should be giving yeah. to people right that is the professional answer that is most definitely respected right if you hold your hands up and say i don't know but i'd love to find out you put a positive spin on it and then you know or the client knows that you're going to go and put extra effort in to find out yeah 
gosh, no one knows everything. No one is perfect, are they? And there's a big misconception. <laughs> the word expert, Joseph, I'm flattered you even call me an expert, but sometimes I don't feel that way and I would never call myself one either because I can always learn more. But you're a student of the game, but obviously that's why you are so successful because you think in that environment, you know, you, sorry, you think in that manner, um, yeah. you know, and if you never believe that you don't have any more to learn, then, um, you know, you're not going to keep growing and keep developing. So that's very, very important. And that's a good key feature. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I think you've got to keep having goalposts. And I keep reminding myself, so what do I want to be doing? So I never dreamt I would have my own clinic. I thought getting clients would be a struggle. I didn't think I'd have social media, which is a whole other world to the actual, the books and the clinic life that I need as well. And I've got to keep looking ahead. So I'm always thinking one or two years ahead. Um, how many members of staff would I like by then? Or can, do I have to be in the clinic all the time then? Or can I be doing this type of work somewhere else? So it's always evolving, if you know what I mean. Of course, yeah. You know, having those milestones, those goals are important to get to. And I think that to continue to be successful, you know, you have to keep growing. You have to keep developing. You can't work to a platform and just maintain it because there's too many things that can come and hurt you if you're in the maintenance level. You know, there's the, the market can change. Um, your clinic could get burnt down or, you know, or whatever it is, or somebody else could come and dwarf you out where they're taking over. So you must, must always keep developing success is results based. So, you know, you have to keep getting better. Well, that's what happened to me in the music industry. The economy crashed. Um, it was 2008. All the record labels went bust and my life suddenly changed overnight. I couldn't suddenly... Can I ask what type of music you, you're into or you perform? Right, so I sing. I'm a classical singer, so I can do oh, nice. kind of light opera, musical theatre. Don't ask yeah. me where it came from. Parents are not musical whatsoever. <laughs> when it comes to what I like to listen to, it's definitely not what I sing. Minus the odd musical. I definitely don't sit at home and listen to what I sing all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not a rapper then? I'm not yet. I think the You're not yet? Oh, what an answer. I know, it's like maybe that's something I could try and do, but I don't think it seems to me. We have a very famous UK rapper coming on next week, so maybe we can introduce you and you two can do a duet. Hey, who knows, right? <laughs> never know, never say never. Rhiannon, right, what I'd like to go into now um, is after you had your clinic um, and, you, and you started to build your business, is why you decided to build your personal brand. Now, you've got an impressive 100,000 followers on Instagram, right, which is pretty damn cool. So how have you transitioned it? What were the main reasons behind it? And how have you made it so successful? Let's tell our people why. Um, I think so Instagram and social media, so Facebook, Twitter, um, and Instagram started mainly because of my clients. So my clients are saying, I want to show you what food I'm eating. I want to see what you do. I've got this app called Instagram. I can post things and tag it. So I was like, oh, great. So it started off in that way, very innocently. So I can monitor my Harley Street clients and my Skype clients, see what they're doing. It then started to evolve where people were taking an interest a lot more in what they're eating in the last few years. And it just started to grow really organically. I can't quite put my finger on when it happened. But it got to one point where I started to be asked to do collaborations with people. Mm -hmm. And that's when it really started to soar. Um, a few people, I think, with particularly large followings, wanted an expert to back them up on nutritional matters. So they'd mm -hmm. do a live 
Instagram Live or a Facebook Live and I would be asked to sit with them and take questions from their audiences, which in turn grew my audience. But it got to a point where I needed to separate nutrition as the nutrition bit and have brand Rhiannon Lambert, which is now the branches I have. And the brand enables me to work with other brands. So let's say recently I've done a campaign with Samsung or Wagon Mamas, all these different types of brands which is great for me because it supports my business. It's my financial support and I enjoy it. I'm very picky, by the way, about the brands I work with. I have a code of conduct. I'm ethically monitored by my association for nutrition. I can't break any rules. So Mm. I'm a rigorous OCD checking everything I do. But from that, the nutrition thing, I think, just started to grow. That's how it happened. It's been a very useful place to share my information. I always question myself before I post anything. What is this post giving my audience? You know, I'm here to provide information to people that can't access me in Harley Street. I mean, I came from an area where I never dreamt I'd ever be on a place like Harley Street, which is so out of reach to so many. So I thought, well, my platform's free. What can I do every day that's giving a little bit of knowledge in an accessible way? So when you started on social media, did you do it to um, to boost your business? And then did you ever expect that one day you were going to get alternative sources of income just off the back of what you were doing to boost your business? Because there's a lot of business people out there that want to take it online, but actually don't even realize that the brand collaborations are bringing another revenue stream you know, and how, how do they monetize that? How did these brands pick you up? How did you get in touch with them? This is the thing, and I've got to be really honest, that I didn't have a plan on this. It happened so naturally and organically. I didn't see social media as a platform mm-hmm. for revenue or for any financial um, remuneration at all. I did not see it in that way. It came as a byproduct. Um, I actually got approached with my book deal when I had about 8,000 followers on Instagram. Yep. It wasn't about social media. So they came to you, did they? Yeah, they saw me writing in Daily Mail and Sherlock's and they mm. liked my evidence-based approach. And I remember it so clearly, they came to my clinic and they sat in front of me, these two women, Lauren and Tamsin, and they gave me a pile of books and they said, oh, we write, you know, we do Ella's book, Delicious Yellow, and I'm thinking, okay, great why are you here together? I thought I was seeing them for a session. And they literally offered me a book deal. It was crazy. And from that, I think that's where all the extra revenues come. But if if I'm addressing people that want to start a business, if I'd known how powerful social media was when I was at university, I'd have been on it from day dot. It's a no brainer for anybody. So would you say that's blown up your business, your brand and everything that you do? I think it's enhanced it massively. Mm -hmm. For instance, some of my VIP clients I find from Twitter. They don't want to give away their email address or their personal information. So they send DMs, then they work out trust and all that kind of thing, and then you move forward. So I found footballers and different clients I have from Twitter. Who'd have thought? So you're out there (laughs) sliding into the DMs on a daily basis, right? What I am, or you do Joseph, that's what I used to do at uni, journal requests, and I used to see who needed a quote from a nutritionist, and then I'd be like, I'm there. And then I'd make friends with journalists, and you've got this link. So so the brands that you work with then, how did they find you, or did you find them? I mean, off the back of your book, you said, or did they just approach you and say, Rhiannon, I want you to... Tell us about one of them. Tell us about the Samsung brand. What have you done with them? Um, 
So I'm just trying to think of the best example was probably a yogurt company. The first okay. one that approached me called the Collective Dairy, and they yep. do loads of really cool little yogurt pots. You'll see them all over the supermarkets with the mm -hmm. nice little sauce put underneath. And they came to me saying, "We're developing a new product. We need a nutritionist, and we need." an expert comment and it helps that you're on social media to build awareness. So they were getting a win-win. They were getting an expert to look at their nutritionals and write information on top of having someone that had a bit of a social media following. I think I had around 40,000 followers then in order to help promote their, um, their brand. So I've always been very fortunate to have been approached, which is lovely. It's been um, great. I do say no more than I say yes. I have to be honest there. Very that's cool that's good to know so, and there's yeah. two things there so i think that you've put yourself out there in such a manner um that you're drawing the people to you which is very very impressive so everybody that's listening and is building their um social media platforms is if you do what you're doing and do what you love on a daily basis and just focus on doing it right and and doing it in the correct way good things will come to you right consistent i think the biggest advice i could give would be stay true to who you are because if you are creating a platform it has to have some consistent theme that runs throughout mm -hmm. so a brand or a business know what they're getting with me i like to think my platform is of trust one you mm -hmm. can trust i won't put anything out there without thoroughly researching it before it's out and you can honestly get a correct factual based answer that's what I hope my page provides and of course inspiration with food think about what is your page giving your audience and how consistent is your feed or the messages you put out because that's what brands buy into they want to see engagement on feeds more than a number of likes or followers they want to see if people commenting do you get back to people are you able to interact in a really good way do you, you know build your brand in that way Nice. So your tip there is engagement. So engage with your audience when they comment. It's not just about the likes. It's about actually really getting in touch with your audience on a one-to-one -one personal level. I think being yourself, something that um, I'm quite fortunate because I enjoy Insta stories and these mm -hmm. kind of elements that you can add to social media now. You can talk to the cameras and mm -hmm. that's fine for me. And I know for a lot of people, it can take a while to break down that boundary of you know speaking in front of a screen. It's worth practicing and it's worth getting out there because if people, people buy into you as a person just as much as they also buy into the information you give out. So I do think that's very, to be approachable is quite important. Did you find it awkward at the beginning? I think some people do. I mean, obviously being a, a showman, it might have been a little bit easier for you, but did you find it hard to talk in front of the camera? Did you ever get the, um, this is quite a good one because I do it sometimes, is when okay. I'll do a, I'll do a clip or put a picture and think, Oh, is that good? Is that bad? Like, I'll look again and go, you know, has it got any engagement? Is that any good? Maybe I should delete it, put something else out there. Have you messed around with that? Has that been on your mind? Because I think a lot of people think like that. Oh, yeah, especially in the beginning. So much anxiety around things I was putting up. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And then it used to get picked up by newspapers. So if I was doing a quote or something in the Daily mm -hmm. Mail, if they would always go to pictures they'd found of me on holiday in a bikini rather mm -hmm. than me looking professional in my work environment. So I've yeah. actually changed the way I take pictures and the way what I put on my business account now because I need to think about that. But it took me a while. The worst bit is getting used to what other people think mm -hmm. and talking in front of people around you like it's normal. So going to a restaurant for me and suddenly in the middle of the dinner going, 
oh, hey, da, 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 I'm doing this, isn't this great, in mm. front of other people that are not even on social media, that's almost the worst bit, but you get used to it. And how, how, have you, how have you handled that, by blanking them out? I know exactly what you mean. I think I create like an invisible barrier around my head and just block them out, you know, so. Put a smile on and crack on with it. I honestly think, who cares? You learn, I think, especially as you get older, you go through different experiences, that comparison and worrying about what mm-hmm. other people think is never going to help you. And I go through days where I feel so, so anxiety-ridden by social media. Mm-hmm. And then I have to step away and remember that it's just an online platform. Can I, I ask still- you why? Can we dive a little bit deeper into that? Is it, yeah. what is the reason? Yeah. Is that because of um, people's comments? Is that because of yeah. your own insecurity? Or it, what, what, what is it? Why do you feel like that? There's, there's lots of different reasons. The first is the trolling that I have received and I do receive. And it's not nice. You know, people have something to say about your parents. You're either too big, you're too small, your hair's too blonde or anything. It honestly could be anything. Oh, you look different in this picture to this one. I get comments about how I look probably on a weekly basis now. Mm-hmm. And I just get used to um, letting them slide right out of the DM and just blocking and declining. Yeah. The second one would be worrying because I'm an overachiever or I'm one of those types of people that just loves to keep learning and keep going I find myself looking at what other people are doing and feeling like I'm not doing enough and that's me being so honest I sometimes feel like I haven't achieved anything which must sound mad but you get that feeling and I'm sure you can relate you must have that 100 percent, and it's always putting that pressure on yourself to do more you, you know and I think that's the entrepreneurial spirit inside and you do look at other people and you see how far they are and, and you think that you know I should have done so much more why have I not reached it at this time why am I still only doing this I'm not doing good enough I'm not working hard enough and you know I go through those emotions quite a lot and actually it's um it's hard to deal with and it sometimes can be very de- depressing but then you've got to take that time out and just pat yourself on the back and say you yeah. know what you're doing well like really coach yourself you know you, you're, you've done really well I love what you're doing you're a champion you're smashing it keep going like all of that type of stuff yeah self I, I actually call that self-care and I do it with my clients and I try and practice it on myself if I don't take a little bit of time out for me mm-hmm. it doesn't make you a selfish person I used to panic or I'm you know I'm weak or I'm selfish because mm-hmm. I need this time and headspace But like you just said, if you give yourself a pat on the back and you remind yourself you actually have to say these things or have a close friend Or, you know, I've got Sophie who works with me and without these people around you to pick you up, Mm -hmm. it can be such a lonely space, can't it, being on your own as an Absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. You're your own worst enemy. You punish yourself and it's not really right. (laughs) Especially when with the long hours and when things, you know, don't always go right and you don't get to see people. And, you know, it can be a pretty crazy place, a pretty, pretty crazy place. Um, that you would we <laughs> say that again? No, exactly right. We wouldn't change it for the world. So you know, you just gotta, you just gotta know that it comes with the territory and it's part of it. Sometimes I feel like I've got bipolar. One minute I'm up, one minute I'm down. One minute I'm happy, one minute I'm sad. I can never. Yeah. I'm literally up and down so much. It's crazy. But the environment um, makes me act like that, you know. So it's. I also channel that, and I would say being able to feel emotions like that on a day-to-day basis. So I use this analogy with my clients and it's kind of like a wave. There's always a, a top, a crest of the wave and there's always a low point. Mm-hmm. You have to keep going 
that. And the fact that you're able and you have the ability to feel these emotions is actually pretty amazing. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit as human beings sometimes for the things that we do, how we feel, how we act every single day. But that's a whole other that's a whole nother subject for a whole nother day. Right, let me ask you two questions, Rihanna. Let me ask you, um, as an entrepreneur, what has been your worst um, moments? As in, when have you felt so bad that you wanted to quit? Um, it's not been great. And how have you overcome it? Without a doubt, the worst moment for me was a point last year where um, I was under fire for some Daily Mail headlines that had been put out. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> as we know, headlines are sensationalist and they can be changed and your words are changed. But my words were taken so out of context that I was in trouble with my own. I nearly lost my title to be a nutritionist because... Wow so severe and it was a big learning curve for me and it was from that moment I just felt I was on I don't know walking on eggshells every single day for several months in fact this lasted from last January I think to October nearly a whole year Mm. of going away and being scrutinized so I had to go under a thorough investigation which was good It, it helped keep me to my code of conduct and practice but in reality I hadn't really done anything wrong it's newspapers that change your words but I then learned hang on I can control if I want what is being said so from now on I learned a huge lesson if I'm putting anything out there I check it a zillion times I ask to see it before it's put out I make sure my surroundings are good that everything is there so I know that I will never be in a position again where I can be made to feel like everything could be pulled out from underneath you that was Everything I'd worked for, essentially. Everything, I was about to say, you're like, you know, you're literally feeling that everything that you work for is about to disappear. And that's a, yeah. that's a, that's a horrendous place to be. But you battled through it. You got through it. And, and what got you through it? Was it just um, determination? Was it just time as a great healer or what? Um, definitely wasn't time as a great healer. I felt that almost made it worse. It's like, I just want to be <laughs> Now, just get it over and done with. But I think what got me through was good, positive relationships around me and the fact that I focused on my business, even though this was happening. So I was focusing on writing my book and seeing the positives that come out of the work I was doing. What kept me going is those people I help every day in clinic and the thought that my book will be out and it doesn't matter what else happens now because I've got a goal I'm still working towards. So always having a goal, no matter what, gives you something to focus on I think before I ask you the next question just tell us a little bit about your book um what it's out there for and and what you want to achieve with it as you can imagine writing a book isn't the easiest of things because I didn't have an initial idea in the traditional method so you take a book to a publisher you have an idea you have a structure and they they get to work on your book with you I had to create something out of nothing so it became my entire philosophy what I'm completely passionate about so it's a 50% nutrition Bible. It covers your relationship with food, how to make the right choices, the basics, back to basics nutrition. It covers sugar, alcohol, bone density, the osteopenia, eating disorders, something called orthorexia, which is a new type of creating based eating disorders. It covers sports nutrition. It covers everything. And then the second half is 50% recipes because I wanted you guys to have something that you can, you know, cook at home and have a weekly menu and get creative in the kitchen that's quick and cheap. So it really, really is a nutritional Bible. 
So you need to send me a copy over for sure. How how long did the meals take to cook and how long did they take to prepare? There you go. Well, I tried to keep it definitely under a 10-minute prep kind of time. Oh, nice. We like that. (laughs) Very quick. (laughs) Awesome. And where can they buy the book while we're on this subject? Well, um, it's actually on Amazon, some deals at the moment. I'm not sure when this podcast is going live, but you can definitely find it on Amazon, Waterstones, WH Smith stores, good bookstores around the country. It's it's good. I think there's always a deal online. If I'm gonna always a deal online. And reminders of the name again? Uh, Renourish, a simple way to eat well. Amazing. Right. So next question to counteract the one I asked you before and a little bit more of a positive um, mindset is what's your best moment in business as an entrepreneur, as an influencer? Oh, wow. Um, this, I think the best moment of my life to date in terms of business was my book launch. Mm-hmm. I had it at the Royal Albert Hall because it meant so much to me as a venue. I've worked there for eight to nine years, so it was everything. I got to sing on the same night and release my book and get to have everybody I cared about. It's almost like having a wedding, like in one room. That was yeah. the highlight to see all that hard work and all the people that have supported you from day one in one room. That was, that was amazing. Amazing. That sounds so, so cool. I just want to say well done, like, cause you've clearly worked very, very hard for it. Um, so go you. Um, right, Rhiannon, I've got some questions for you. Um, if that's okay. Um, from some of our audience, we put them, we put them out there into a private group. So I'm just going to fire them away. Um, okay. and just, just answer them quick, but, um, right. So Dan is saying, how do you cook your steak? <laughs> well, I personally cook my steak. Yeah, how do you like your steak? Dan is going to hate this because I don't eat red meat. But if I'm... <laughs> sorry, Dan. <laughs> sorry, Dan. I don't eat steak. But if I were to, I think it would be medium to well done. <laughs> medium to well done. Good. Like it. That's how I have it, Dan. If you're interested. Um, right. Gemma is saying um, vegan for or against. I don't ever label or judge food choices. So Mm -hmm. if you want to be vegan, my only note on it would be make sure you're educated to make the right choices because it's quite easy to become deficient in something. Okay, amazing. Great answer. And Steph says, where could I get advice on an eating disorder? Okay, so with an eating disorder, your first point of call is your GP and your GP is able to screen you and refer you to a local service within the NHS. There are options to go privately, but I would highly recommend if you go private that you've got a triangular approach. So you've got a doctor, a nutritionist or dietitian that's registered, and you've got a psychotherapist or a psychologist. So they're the three elements that you really want to work with eating disorder recovery. Okay, amazing. Thank you very much. Um, next question is, are you organic or will you buy normal food? I say Or happy- unprocessed food. <laughs> so, so am I organic or do I buy... Pro- and do I buy sorry, pro- sorry, sorry. So do you buy everything organic? No, definitely not. Organic no. is a little bit of a marketing um, money-making thing at the moment. There's not much nutritional difference apart from in meat and dairy products at the moment in the UK in terms of nutritional value. So I actually don't spend all that money on organic food unless it is meat or dairy. Okay, amazing, great. So Hannah, um, finally, 
is um, saying how many meals should you really eat a day? So is it breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or is it multiple mini meals, or what's the whole deal with that? Okay, the deal with meals is that you are a unique individual, and my favorite saying is you are as unique as your personalities, because literally, some of you may need those three meals a day, and you may need snacks. Some people, just the meals. Others could skip breakfast quite happily and have a very nourishing and fulfilling lunch and dinner. So it depends on your lifestyle, your age, your goals, your current or past history with food. You are unique and you've got to find what works for you. Okay, amazing. Thank you. Um, and I'm going to ask you a question now, actually. Um, so okay. what, what is the best diet um, to have or the best food types to have to keep you concentrated? I, my mind wanders a lot, um, so I want to stay focused. Okay, well, you focus well on this podcast, Joseph. You've done well Thank so you. far. It's because you're a very good talker and you've got a lot of good things to say. There we go. Well, this is a better one. So this is a good tip. This is all about omega-3. So my biggest mm -hmm. tip for cognitive functions, so brain health, keeping your concentration sharp, maybe two portions of oily fish a week, no more, no less. Omega-3 is linked to, basically, your brain is 60% fat. So you've got to eat healthy fats in order mm -hmm. to fuel it effectively. But concentration may also be linked to blood sugar balance. So erratic meal patterns is not good. You're probably I better definitely off. have that. Yeah, and it's not helping because you're having blood sugar spikes mm -hmm. and lows. And you want regular, slow-releasing energy. So whole grains instead of fast-releasing carbs mixed with protein. Things that keep you fuller for longer, basically. In regards to the omega-3s, um, what about cod liver oil tablets? I mean, just while we're on the subject, uh, do they work the same as not as eating fish? Obviously, you're not getting the natural stuff. But, um, and, and also multivitamins as well, the tablets. Do you recommend those? I take those every day. Are they a waste of time or not? Okay, so the omega-3 question first and cod liver oil tablets. You want something in your cod liver called EPA, so... Echo, Papa Alpha, or DHA, Delta Hotel Alpha. So they're the three things you want to look for on your pack. If you're a vegetarian or vegan, you definitely need to be looking at supplementation. If you like oily fish, don't bother. You mm -hmm. can get it anyway. There's no harm taking cod liver or capsule if that's what it contains. The multivit, I'm not a fan of. I think most people can get the nutrition from their food. A lot of it you just pee out, if I'm being quite honest. Mm -hmm. You know when urine can be bright yellow when you've been taking any yep. kind of supplement or blocker? That's because you're just excreting everything. So the bioavailability, which means how easily it's, it works inside the body, isn't yep. great for a pill. You can never replace the food. So do you think then with... Because I, I take Barocca every single day. Um, yeah, I first got introduced to it when I was... Um, filming for the apprentice and the nine week process we went away there was a lady on there called Varna and she used to have them and I and I just got addicted to them from then and right. um, I have them every single day but do you think that like having one every day is too much or you should have it every single day or what well they're making a lot of money from you aren't they that's all I can say <laughs> yeah I know they are bloody expensive as well man about a six quid a two <laughs> six pound a week on Barocca straight away I don't know I would ditch the Barocca is my honest answer to that. You're not going to be getting any. It's just a bit of vitamin C top up, which you can get from a Satsuma. Okay, awesome. Well, Rhiannon's not getting a brand deal with Barocca. That's for sure. No, it's Barocca. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So my final question to you is what 
for you makes a social entrepreneur? Um, a social entrepreneur, is it on social media? Yeah, a social entrepreneur. So how you build with inside that network. Okay. For me, it would be having a clear and distinct message and a niche that sets you apart from other people. Have you got something to offer that someone else hasn't that puts yourself ahead of the pedestal? Also being accessible, so being approachable, I think you've got to be positive or your business can go off being negative. You know, you've got these two things. What's your messaging like? So think of your messaging, think of how you are as a brand or as a person and think about the clear, concise feed overall. Amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Fantastic. And then just finally, one more thing. Do you have um, a message that you'd like to get out there? Have you got anything specific that you want to say or a statement to make? The nod yeah. of the head makes me think, yes, you have. Go, go, go. Yes, I do. I know. Um, I just want to add out, if anybody could take anything away from this podcast, as a nutritionist, diets, as in fad diets, things that are quick fixes, they don't work and you end up spending more money, more time, more disappointment, more hurt. The best investment you can make is to educate yourself because what you eat does impact your mind and your body and your longevity. So we never think about the future. We think about the now. What about when you're 60, 70, 80 years old and your health? That's all I will leave with it there. Amazing. That's a great message to end. Rhiannon, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at Retrition everywhere from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They're all, they're all the same. And my book, Renourish, and my next book, which is called Top of Your Game, which is out next May with Ronnie O'Sullivan. Awesome. Ronnie O'Sullivan. Boom. La- Rhiannon, thank you very much. Have an amazing day. And it was so um, great to talk to you. Thanks for having me, Jason. Take Cheers. care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Social Entrepreneur Podcast. Please continue to download, share with your friends, but most importantly, let me give something back. Come on over and join our international Facebook community. It's JV Social Entrepreneur. Go there, find it, search it. We'd love for you to leave a review and we'd love for you to follow our social media for more updates and for more insights. That's at Mr. Joseph Valente. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Let's get it. Let's grow.